fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a thing, please. Oh, you're coming out of Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Friday, August 10th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Daily Show. Joe Hagman here, so happy to be here. We got a lot to get into today. As I said uh, last episode and the episode before that, that John Robertson's no longer with us, so we're going to be launching a rebrand, which we had planned on doing uh, before John's departure, and uh, we are, Eric has everything ready to go, so I don't know how many more broadcasts I'm going to be doing under the Hagman Daily Show, I did not do one yesterday, I had a, 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 many of you know, um, on Wednesday, uh, my mother fell and cracked her head open real good, had to go to the hospital, and uh, she, I had to leave the show, Hagman Report, Wednesday evening to go pick her up. And uh, yesterday, uh, the wound got broken open again, and I spent most of my afternoon over there, so I was not a- able to do a daily show. But when I re- relaunched this thing as the dispatch, I'm going to put down a, a different format where we're going to get into more, uh, some more of the investigative angles and aspects of things. Plus, I got some great other segments for each show uh, that, I, that I plan on incorporating, so it's going to be good, and I'm going to... Uh, attempt to do it you know first thing in the morning getting up early and getting it done uh and i have to you know sit down decide what we're gonna plug in as far as stories and and information and research uh and then we'll go forward but i said all that to say uh, i mean i don't know how long uh, how many of these daily shows say we don't relaunch into the dispatch uh this next week i might just do a show you know monday wednesday and friday but when the dispatch comes, it will be a daily thing. Um, just that I got—I've absorbed John's work responsibilities, and it is uh, too much to do to do the four hours of radio plus everything else. And, and people had any idea how much other work, whether it's answering emails, talking to people, people, uh, you know, booking the schedules, creating the shows, on and on and on. There's never a shortage of things to do in uh, from the time my eyes open till the time my eyes uh, shut when I go to sleep. So uh, we got to ba- get a balance. We have to find a balance. And once I catch up with everything and get ahead of it, as far as the scheduling and the contacts, then I'll be able to uh, do the shows uh, more freely every single day without interruption. But I do apologize, and I will apologize for the, probably next week, where you you'll probably have uh, you know at least two or three shows uh, the Hagman Daily Show next week. But we will attempt to launch that rebrand as soon as possible. All right. With that said, let's get into some of the news today. Uh, you know, it's same old, same old. We see. Uh, I watched a Mark Dice video this morning, and I would play it, uh, except I don't want to play the whole thing. But the long story short is that they, uh, the left, the anti-free speech, anti-American left, is continuing their attempted purge on social media. And a Vox story has called, well, it had listed, you know, Jones is just the beginning. There are plenty of other conspiratorial, uh, anti-immigration, anti-transgendered right-wing personalities on YouTube. And they showed, you know, about four or five different people who have popular YouTube channels, you know, Mark Dice and the Paul Joseph Watsons and on and on and on, saying that these people need to go too. And that brings up, you know, the question of the day, the question of the week or year, however you want to look at it, what we've been talking about for so long, how is this going to look? How's the internet going to handle this? If all of the 
uh, best and, and uh, most favorite personalities on the media in the right are removed. Because I'll tell you, that accounts for a lot of traffic on the internet, on YouTube, on Facebook, etc. But what are they creating in its place? Not a market that's open to both you know, sides of the debate and ideas and, and dialogue. No, they are banning, 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 silencing, silencing, silencing any and everybody they can who has an opposing point of view on their uh, you know, so special social images that they could really care less about other than attempting to score uh, temporary political points or, uh, you know, social justice points. And Paul Joseph Watson did a great video yesterday, too. Uh, I don't have the title in front of me, but it's about this lady in Sweden who would not sit down for a flight as a Afghanistan man was being deported from Switzerland. Well, it turns out he wasn't being deported. He wanted to go back after uh, criminal charges were filed for him beating his wife and, and children uh, on multiple occasions. And he, uh, 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 I got to pull it up here. I got to need the name. It's uh, something to do with altruism, uh, suicidal altruism. Uh, let me find it here because it, it's well worth uh, the watch for people to understand this. He's and he goes on to say that this is something that is much worse than Stockholm syndrome, as uh, this puts one's own virtue signaling above the safety of their of their own people. Pathological altruism, and uh, that's a really good video. It's short; it's only a four minute long video, but I'd urge everybody to check that out because it is so true today these people are willing and wanting to win political points regardless of who uh, their ideas put in danger they put the lives or or the safety of uh, sometimes terrorist criminal ms-13 illegal immigrant types over that of their own citizen over on citizens and i want to use an example of this i don't have the article in front of me again unprepared as usual had a very busy morning but yesterday i was reading this article it was from vox that talked about uh, the MS-13 members are not, you know, drug-pushing uh, murderers. They're, they, after school, they're riding bikes and getting jobs, and, uh, you know, there's, there's not a really a criminal element. In it. I mean, this article went basically off the reservation to try to tell the rest of their, you know, virtue signaling uh, weirdos that MS-13 is not that bad. It's like, a, it's like an after-school book club. It's like, you know, these guys get together and they play chess and drink tea. There's nothing wrong. They're fine. They're fine. Now, you know what? So what if some of them are dealing drugs and decapitating people and, uh, you know, uh, sexually assaulting and raping others? No, 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 no. That, that's just one part of it. Let me look at these guys. Look at this guy on a bike over here. See, he's just riding around in his cul-de-sac just like a regular American kid. And that's what this whole article was about. And about how they, these guys want to get good grades and on a, all this nonsense. And I just want to say, there's no, there's no defense of MS-13. There is no, you know, it's black and white. If you're MS-13 and you're here as any kind of, uh, uh, on any kind of status that's not an American citizen, you need to go. It's as simple as that. Now, we see that the uh, a federal judge wants to hold Jeff Sessions under contempt of court after he attempt attempted to deport uh, a mother and a daughter um, after a judge ruled that the uh, Department of Justice must restart Obama's DACA program, which is completely crazy uh, as no federal judge supersedes the Constitution nor the Attorney General. But this is what what's happening. I mean, this is the world we live in. We live in a world where the... Uh, social media censorship. Do you remember the story when President Trump was on Twitter and he would block uh, people responding to his tweets because, you know, the, the constant hatred and the calling for violence and the name calling that tr and the trolling that was done on that account? So what did he do? He would block the disruptive people. And lo and behold, those people got together and sued President Trump for violating their First Amendment rights. And do you remember what the judge said? The judge ruled that the president 
is not allowed to block anybody on his sites because Twitter is a uh, basically the, the town square, the public platform. And because there's a reply button there, blocking anybody's comments is violating their First Amendment right. Isn't it so funny how they you know use the Constitution and wiggle and argue their way into this constitutionally with that argument, but then justify it using that same Constitution when they turn around themselves and ban people from their platforms? It's no coincidence that everything's so upside down and messed up as uh, you know, we see moving forward that this is only the beginning of the censorship battle. This is only of the the beginning of the future of what the internet might look like. And I want to play this quick clip. I really didn't want to do this. I know our audience hates this guy. I hate this guy. Not hate. Okay, I don't hate him. I hate how he acts. I hate the grandstanding. I hate his mentality. Jim Acosta's who we're talking about. He was on the Colbert show last night. Let's listen to what he said. There's that. Yeah. A lot of these folks, they, they're well-intentioned. Uh, you know, they, they care about their country. I totally understand that. They really like this president. But they'll ask me, well, why don't you report the good things that he does? Well, I said, you know, listen, we just talked about the jobs numbers last Friday. He had good jobs numbers last Friday. We, and they say, oh, okay. And it, they'll say, well, do you like the president? And I'll say, well, that's not really relevant, uh, whether I like the president or not. I don't have to like the president of the United States. He doesn't have to like me. We all have jobs. Uh, and as you talk to these folks, they sort of calm down. But my sense of it, Stephen, is, is that a lot of these folks, they get their impressions of what we do by watching other conservative outlets. They look at other conservative websites. And these folks are focused on the coverage of the president's behavior more yeah. so than they are the president's behavior. And All right, let's stop right there and just examine what he said. What he's saying is that <clears throat> the uh, most of the Trump supporters uh, don't, you know, see Jim Acosta grandstanding in the press briefing room, pushing Sarah Huckabee Sanders to de to to declare him not an enemy of the people. Most of the people see the twisted, spun version of Jim Acosta and his antics from other conservative news sites. But you know what's so funny about that? Even if that were the case, uh, even if that were 100% true, is that in each of those instances, as Jim Acosta is CNN's senior White House correspondent, it's all on video. So what you're saying is somebody's reading an article about your antics, but gets to actually see the video of what you did not, and what you didn't said as well. So it's not just that they're uh, who cares if if every video or every uh, you know clip that is uh, showing your your everything that you do wrong. Um, is written on an article on Conservative Treehouse or any other right-wing publication, when every time there's a video showing the example of your behavior, of your attitude, whatever it is right there. And for Jim Acosta to come on here and play, you know, uh, play to play to both sides of the aisle, well, some of them are good people. I mean, I talk to them, and, uh, you know, they're, they're okay. And, and what Stephen opened with there was a picture of, uh, uh, Jim Acosta taking pictures with fans of the from the Ohio rally at the Trump rally, and if you remember, that's that same evening where uh, the whole crowd was chanting "CNN sucks," and now we afterwards we have all these stories about how his life was in danger and this and that. But then you see him posing with you know some of the crowds and different people and getting selfies taken. So it didn't seem like his life was too much in danger. But he did this piece on Colbert a few nights ago, and. Costa says this, the press is not supposed to be the story. That's not why I'm out there. That's exactly why you're out there. And there's a great article on The Atlantic as uh, we see uh, a liberal publication, a liberal author calling out Acosta's antics as doing just that, as instead of reporting the news, always trying to insert himself in a way where he becomes the news. And this latest example was Sarah Huckabee Sanders, as he treated her so poorly and continuing to interrupt her, treated his own colleagues poorly and then walked out after he didn't like the answer he received is exactly what everybody's talking about. Every, the people can see through the uh, the grandstanding, the the blowhardness of Jim Acosta. But again, he appeared on The Late Show Wednesday where he defended his combative style of journalism exhibited while covering the Trump White House. 
President Trump said you're fake news. And to me, you when you insult our news organizations and call us fake news, that's calling on me for a question, Acosta told host Stephen Colbert. He refers to CNN as fake news. I look at that as he's calling on me for a question, so I'm going to push back. Acosta said journalists have to correct President Donald Trump in real time and mention some more... Uh, mentioned the more notable false statements Trump has told during his presidency, citing the president's claim that former President Obama wiretapped him during the Trump Tower and his claim that millions of undocumented immigrants voted in the 2016 election. Well, hey, guess what? Obama did wiretap Trump Tower. Maybe not Obama putting the wire there himself, but his weaponized intelligence agency sure did. That's not even up for debate anymore. Unless you're debating the word wiretap, which means... Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't a bug in a phone. How about just all the records of all the phone calls, all the emails that you have him on tape uh, by his own lawyer and other personnel? I mean, the, the constant surveillance from the NSA and on and on and on. We have documented time and time again. And they're going to still sit here and say that it's a false statement that the president claiming uh, that he was Obama wiretapped him at Trump Tower. Uh, it, it just good. It's It just shows you the level of division we're at and you know yesterday on the Hagman report we had uh, Keith Hansen and then Steve Quayle on and my dad asked the question well what would be worse than a civil war and then he said possibly not having one question mark and what he was saying by that is saying not that we should have a civil war but that if we do not at least win more people on the on the uh, battlefield of ideas and on uh, on with the truth then we're gonna we're gonna be lost ourselves as the uh, conservative movement uh, due to these uh, hyper emotional liberally insane Trump derangement syndrome suffering uh, citizenry that we have or has been created due to the the mainstream media and their constant lying we uh, yesterday there was a story about a professor uh, and this was on Fox News a professor of, uh, I forget which, what, she was from the University of Albany, and she goes on to talk about how when Trump leaves office, his supporters are going to turn violent, and that they will not be able to, uh, you know, be regrafted into the uh, uh, left and right political bodies uh, at that time, because they're going to be, uh, you know, so upset and so angry. Anyway, what she was describing was not when Trump leaves office, what's going to happen. What she was describing is what is happening now after Obama left office, that you have a group of people, a, a, a percentage of the people who can't stand that they didn't get their way and their candidate didn't get voted in after being basically assured not only by the FBI's covering up of the crimes of Hillary Clinton, but also by the news media who did everything in their power to make sure in Hollywood to make sure Hillary Clinton got elected and they lost and they were stunned. They were hurt. They did not know what was, you know, <laughs> you talk about some of the funniest YouTube clips. You go back and watch the uh, clips of the election night on CNN and other uh, made mainstream networks and watch the reaction of these people. You have crying and uh, we, we've just heard stories about how psychiatrists are seeing a huge rise in people with psychiatric problems pertaining to Donald Trump or because of the anxiety that has increased in them because of Trump's presidency, try, trying to say that Donald Trump being president of our country is causing other people to have mental problems. I mean, that is pretty bad that uh, uh, somebody who is, and, and I could see if he was an actual tyrant or the, guilty of the things they, they say he is, but he's not. And it's clear to anybody with just the smallest amount of common sense. And I even know some people with common sense who don't agree with me in this area. And I don't know what to tell them. They're caught up in this lie. Obviously, everything President Trump doesn't do is not right or correct, moral or constitutional. Nobody is perfect in those regards. But at least he's willing to, to admit his mistakes and the fact that he wants to move forward with the uh, bettering of... Uh, the, he wants what's best for the United States and its citizens, whether that's economically, whether that's the security domestically, uh, on and on and on. He wants jobs for not only white rich people, but for all people. And if you saw recently when President Trump has continued his, his tough talk on immigration, he's, over the last few months he's received an increase of 10%. 
in the Hispanic community. And I see a number of people on, uh, on YouTube each day from all types of different backgrounds, different uh, nationalities or ethnicities in different cities all across the world getting up on YouTube and saying, hey, worry we stand with President Trump and we're put into this demographic or, or uh, looked upon as this way. And uh, if we say we support President Trump, we're you know, uh, shunned by our communities. But that's just not true in, in many of these cities because you do have your left and right factions, but a lot of people do respect President Trump. And a lot of people see the hypocrisy, the insanity that we have in our country today through this political divide. And I'm going to give an interesting example of this. WorldNet Daily. Emails reveal teachers plotting to hide political bias. Listen to this report. Emails reveal high school teachers in a tiny Boston suburb plotting to hide their political bias from parents shortly after President Trump's inauguration. The history teachers at Newtown North High School pledged to reject the call for objectivity in the classroom. Bully conservative students for their belief and serve as the liberal propagandists for the cause of social justice. The emails show uh, this, according to the Federalist, uh, a board member of the nonprofit Americas for Peace and Tolerance wrote that he obtained the emails under the Massachusetts public records law after one of the teachers arranged for what he describes as an anti-Semitic, anti-Israeli organization to show Palestine propaganda films. But he found that anti-Semitism is not the only specter haunting the history department at Newtown North. The exchange of emails came after history teacher uh, Isongist Iboket complained in February about new guidelines for avoiding bias in teaching that had been sent out by Newton North's principal that morning. Teachers were instructed for current uh, controversial issues, healthcare, immigration, environmental policies, gun laws, teach students that there are different perspectives and present the reasoning of those who hold the, the, those different perspectives. Uh, Iboket, responding to an email from a colleague, objected, declaring in an email that the entire history department is concerned that the call for objectivity may just inadvertently become the most effective destructive weapon against social justice. <laughs> you hear that? He was concerned that a call for objectivity may become the most effective destructive weapon against social justice. Do you think? Do you think common sense reasoning, teaching both sides of the argument, being objective about a subject when presenting it to another person, saying this is the controversy, this is what these people think, this is what these people think, this has historically been the truth, and this is what you guys need to look at all of these things to decide where you stand on the issues. He's saying that is the destructive weapon against social justice. So what's the opposite of that? Well, the opposite of that is, you know, brainwashing, groupthink. You believe every word and way uh, and ideology we believe or you're the enemy. And this is being done inside of schools, high schools, all across the country. They're being bombarded with, with liberal, Palestinian, anti... You know, it's funny because... They sit here and they bash on white people. They bash on Christians. They bash on conservatives. But when they criticize these same people of what they're doing, they say, oh, they're bashing Muslims. They're bashing homosexuals. When the, you know, the opposite is true. The conservative party really is the empowerment of people. And Brandon Strauka, the, the founder of the Walk Away movement, is a great example of this. He, taught, he came on the Hagman Report Wednesday and talked about the... Uh, how, with regardless of his sexuality or former political leanings, how he's been open, uh, uh, embraced with open arms in the conservative world. And I mean, look at Candace Owens; she's one of the one of the smartest people uh, that you can find, at least in, as far as arguing these points. She is one of the the most. Uh, uh, I would say she, yeah, she's very intelligent, obviously, but she's put that to great use in the way she's combating these other pun these pundits on the other side who can't argue with common sense and this is how twisted it is candace owens a african-american conservative woman was shouted down and, and verbally assaulted at a restaurant in philadelphia by a group of white people who were yelling that she was a white supremacist i mean how much more insane does that get it can't get any more insane and we're going to go into some of those clips of candace owen 
uh, and some of the things she said on a number of platforms over the last few days. And uh, she really got into it with, uh, I think it's Keith Ellison of MSNBC as she was uh, uh, getting in this debate about this, uh, a number of things. But yeah, she was harassed in Philadelphia. And let me do the filter thing here because I want to, it's funny, since they took Jones off the uh, YouTube they have definitely uh, done a, no a number of other things, and I'll tell you why. Uh, just I I've noticed in when you get on YouTube and you are looking at uh, you know subscriptions you have and uh, uh, you know things you, you that normally pop up, channels that normally pop up on your uh, recommended and other feeds, and I, I'm it's like people are being banned, shadow banned. I had to go search for. Mark Dice's new videos, Paul Joseph Watson's new videos, SGT report, thankfully, uh, Patreon members. So I got the email about that one. And I don't, uh, there, there's something going on. They changed another algorithm. And it's, you know, this is what they do. Um, and it's really unfortunate to see that this YouTube, and, and somebody will find a different platform. Somebody will come out and, and uh, you know, and, and there's so many out there alternatives that are, are getting coming to um to use in the alternative community they're never going to be able to to uh you know completely disrupt uh all the conservative speech it's just not going to happen but let's listen to a clip of candace owens being interviewed uh let's see on the f wait i don't want to listen to the one from the five um let's see here where was she interviewed at that was really good there's a number of them that she's okay she, here she was on laura ingram yesterday let's get into this a little bit angle was to point out that the rule of law meaning secure borders is something that used to bind our country together and despite what some may be contending I made explicitly clear that my commentary had nothing to do with race or ethnicity, but rather a shared goal of keeping America safe and her citizens safe and prosperous. Furthermore, and move there temporarily, but there weren't that, you know, you have a murder rate decline, but that's only after the really high average of the last few years. Rather, Leader Pelosi, hopefully, right, I'm trying to find um, the, uh, you know, we'll see. The she's uh, she's the, the about um, whether Nancy Pelosi. Candace Owens is being you, interviewed you by him? Laura Ingram. They, they, my president kind of right. moved. We're going to skip that. Uh, I thought that was queued up. But anyway, she was suspended on Twitter. And what was really funny about this is the fact that she, uh, all she did was, she did two things in the last couple, uh, in the last couple of days. One, the New York Times uh, lady who's on the editorial board who came out and said, you know, uh, white people are BS, I hate cops, I hate white people, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Candace Owens copied those tweets and pasted it into uh, her Twitter and only changing one word. Instead of the New York Times reporter's word white, she put black or Jewish. And she was immediately banned from Twitter. Now, they unbanned her after they realized what she had done uh, and... and they apologize for that banning. And speaking of which, Twitter, the only outlet not to ban Alex Jones. Uh, apparently, I'm hearing different things, but I did read the article on the Daily Caller yesterday. It is looking to crack down on hate speech after employees of Twitter were really upset at Jack Dorsey for not banning Alex Jones. I mean, that's how... That's how insane this is. I mean, even their own employees are saying, ban him. You, you got to ban him. And it's, it's just unbelievable to see that happen in this digital age. And this is technological tyranny. It, it, it's This is exactly what it is. We see that there is this mindset of either we're going to, you think like we think, or we're going to bully you out of a job, out of your uh, ability to uh, uh, state your own opinions to the rest of the online community, uh, out of your own communities. If you bring somebody to speak that we don't like, that doesn't believe us or, or, or doesn't think like we do, we're going to assault you. And we can do so because you're Nazis. And technically, Nazis should not be given any constitutional rights. So it's not really violence. This is their mentality. This is where they go. But this is going to come to a head. Now, will it be in the form of a civil war? Will it be pockets of individual battles? 
here we are, uh, one year on the one year anniversary of the Charlottesville uh, incident. And Dinesh D'Souza's movie, The Death of a Nation, is what you need to see about what really was behind Charlottesville because it documents what we've talked about since this has happened last year. The person who organized the event on the Unite the Right, guess what? He was an Obama supporter. And it's worse than that, much worse than that. Anyway, these people, uh, you know, th these paid protesters who came as far as the uh, quote-unquote white supremacist, and then on the other side, the paid protesters, the Antifa, if you remember, there were reports that they were busting together. But anyway, the police stood down, the clashes there uh, left one woman dead, and I I'm not sure, if you watch that video again of the car, the car hit a car in front of it, which rammed into her and she died. And I don't remember what exactly she died from. I don't know if it was the car accident or the uh, uh, something else as a relation related to the car accident. But they went and made this a big deal. And, and President Trump talking about, uh, you know, there were people there who were protesting for free speech. There were other people there who were uh, protesting against fascism. And the president said that people at both sides on both. There were good people on both sides of those protests. And that just made the media and everybody go crazy because he's saying white supremacists, there's some good white supremacists out there. This is how they twist and move and turn everything out of context. But anyway, um, Kanye West was on Jimmy Kimmel yesterday. And this is one I wanted to take a closer look at. This is the full interview, but I don't want the, uh, uh, I don't want to play the full interview. Let's just listen to this as he um, talks about uh, coming out and as a Trump supporter, he knew he was, he was told he was, he was, and he knew he was going to be bullied. He was going to be castigated from his community. And they, uh, he says, I'll, I'd get kicked out of the black community because we're supposed to have a monolithic thought. We can only like, we can only be Democrats. Uh, I don't have the, the conf, uh, confidence to take on the world and the possible backlash, and it took me a year and a half to have the confidence to stand up and put on the hat, no matter what the consequences were, talking about the Make America Great Again hat. But let's listen to just a few bits of this. Our first guest tonight is one of the most talented men in the world. He's a multi-award-winning recording artist, fashion designer, and shoe salesman. His new album is called Yay. Please welcome Kanye West. <laughs> Right. To the point where I was like, this is crazy. I got to get these off. People are chasing me. Mm -hmm. I I'm worried people are going to beat me up and take these. <laughs> Usually people wait like, uh, on they see them sleeping on the street waiting for these shoes. Mm -hmm. Is that for you more rewarding than hearing people say they like your music? Both. It's both art. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Sometimes it's like the thing you are accustomed to hearing and you start hearing something else and it's more exciting to All hear right, something else, but not for you. Here. Yeah, I did not you, listen to when this. When you got new, and then that started working out. All right, I will find the spot. I will find them. I'm I'm sorry. I, I did not have time to go through all these clips I wanted to play, and they're all really long. The Laura Ingham clip, clip was uh, 13 and a half minutes. This one's 21 minutes. Uh, I'm sure I can find the bits and pieces, but I, I would sometimes in the articles they have. You know, if you want to hear this part of it, go go to this. Um, go to this minute marker but they don't have that so uh, again my unpreparedness comes to bite me uh but anyway go on youtube you guys can find it i'm sure there are other websites out there that have uh grabbed this and and, and have, have it segmented separated ready to go so you will be able to find that um it goes on to uh, i go on to talk about here the censorship Let's uh, let's get through the rest of this real quick, and then we can move on, because there's a lot of other important stuff going on on this Friday. Now, uh, the censorship aspect, uh, we see what's to come next. What's the next big shoe to drop? We have a number of people next week coming in to talk about this, uh, especially Sean from SGT Report on Hagman Report. Uh, he'll be with us on Wednesday, and we're going to be uh, talking about what all this means and what this looks like as far as the uh, landscape of the alternative media, especially in the run-up to the 2018 midterm and, and, more importantly, the 2020 presidential election, because that's what they're going for. And you talk about election meddling. I know Alex Jones men mentioned this. The election meddling is very important part of this. And I've said this on Hagman Report over the last year, that imagine if the censorship started right around election time when people were going to be... Uh, uh, 
you know, looking for information on candidates and, and whatnot, sharing information about uh, their local political races on, on social media. And just imagine one side of the aisle being black, blocked out or, or unable to post because the conservative, I mean, at what point? Because they say it's, it's hate speech against immigrants and transgendered and blah, 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 blah. So at what point does having, standing up for the Constitution, the rule of law, going to be banned? At what point will the Constitution be banned? That's the road we are heading on. And it is no surprise that, uh, you know, we see these companies urging others to ban the apps of Jones. Not only that, to ban channels of other uh, conservative outlets who have, you know, a high following. In the New York Times, in, in the opinion section today, if we silence hate speech, will we silence resistance? Hate is a dangerously elastic label, and it has long been used to demonize unpopular expression, particularly among people of color. It goes on to say uh, how they banned uh, Alex Jones off the uh, internet. Tech, tech companies cited their policies against hate speech, uh, for their decision rather than the trafficking in fake news by Infowars. It's tempting to applaud this move, but we should be wary. While Mr. Jones' rhetoric is certainly repugnant, mounting pressure from the political left to censor hateful speech may have an unintended consequence, especially for people of color. That's because hate is a dangerously elastic label, one that has long been used in America to demonize unpopular expression. If we become overzealous in our efforts to so limit so-called hate speech, we run the risk of setting a trap for the very people we're trying to defend. Meaning... Who cares if the right-wing media is labeled hate speech and banned off the internet? The real worry is that some of our resistance fighters are going to get caught up in that. <laughs> so you hear what these people are saying. They're saying that, well, you know, good, good start with Jones. But be careful moving forward because you're not only going to end up banning right-wing folks you're going to end up banning the resistance because he hate speech is what is needed and uh, what was the purpose of the first amendment it was not to protect popular speech popular speech need no laws protecting it it's the unpopular speech that needed protecting and one of the things that make our country so great is the ability to have a, a dialogue till the end of our conversation until the end of the you know the the thought is is verbally worded out there is no uh there is as long as you're not calling for another person to hurt another person or group of people we can say the most unpopular, hateful things, if you want to call them that. What, what classifies today as hate speech is uh, if you oppose illegal immigration, you are a hate speech. If you oppose the transgender agenda being pushed on children, that's hate speech. So it's not only that hate speech is a, a, you know, an elastic term, as they said. It can be applied to law, uh, lawful ideas it can be applied to constitutional ideas it can be applied to christian ideas but they'll never apply it to muslim ideas you know what's so funny is uh that guy who got caught training kids how to do a school shooting the other day how the media forgot to mention his muslim that he was a muslim and his ties to the 1993 world trade center bombing imam they never mentioned that why is that? Why won't they just tell the... I mean, for all anybody knows, the guy, uh, you know, could have been a white Christian. It's just unbelievable to see how far down the tubes our media has gotten. And it's a spiritual problem at its core. We're not going to fix it by uh, on the uh, battlefield of, of debate and words. No, it's going to be a conflict. So when my dad says, uh, what could be worse than a civil war? possibly not having one he's saying we cannot continue this divided and the divide will only get worse and it will only lead to further conflict and destabilization and let me tell you something that's what the globalist wants it's not the russians we need to be worried about it's the globalist satanic elite the hollywood satanic elite the spirit cookers the pedophiles 
on and on and on. These enemies of free speech and of the Constitution and of Christianity. And another thing that we see uh, uh, very interestingly taking place um, with this whole debate is that you have the CNN. Jones's app went to number one or whatever. Uh, and you have CNN writing like two, three, four, five articles on why his app needs to be banned. It's never going to be enough until every opposing um, thought is banished from our brains. Does that make sense? Banished from our brains. And that's that's what they're looking at doing. That's what they're doing. But in response to this, uh, Alex Jones said he's never seen a better week on his website. Uh, over 5 million new signups, which if that's true, that's awesome. And, and more power to him. So again, as we said, it's not like people are going to stop watching Jones and you know move to CNN in its place. No, they're going to go find Jones. They're going to get off the Facebooks. They're going to get off the, uh, uh, the YouTubes. And they're going to go find jones wherever he is okay i think i might found a is this a clip here all right let's see yeah this is kanye west american unemployment has reached another all-time in history record low in history and by the way I, I hate when they do this. Goodness, I'm having the worst the worst luck today. And uh, Kanye West defends his support for Trump. Liberals can't bully me. And on the Fox News piece here, there was a video. It was a minute and 18 seconds. And I was going to play the video because I thought it was actually the clip of him saying this on Jimmy Kimball's show last night, which was what I was originally looking for. But nope, it's, just, it's a President Trump up there talking about e economic numbers. Uh, Fox, I don't know if you meant to put that clip in there or I've noticed that recently that some of the videos and some of these articles are unrelated to the articles themselves. And that really that really frustrates me. Anyway, during Jimmy Kimball's show, Kanye West defended his decision to support Donald Trump during the 2016 presidential election and said he would not be bullied by those on the left. Just as a musician, African-American guy out in Hollywood, all these different things, you know, everyone around me tried to pick my candidate for me, the Chicago rapper told Kimmel, and then told me every time I said I like Trump that I couldn't say it out loud or my career would be over or I'd get kicked out of the black community because blacks were supposed to have a monolithic thought that we can only, uh, we can only be like, or we can only be Democrats and that's all. West said it took him more than a year before he gained the confidence to stand up and publicly wear Trump's signature Make America Great Again hat, which caused an uproar for many of his fans back in April. I didn't have the confidence to take on the world and the possible backlash, and it took me a year and a half to have the confidence to stand up and put on the hat no matter what the consequences were. And what it represented to me is not about politics, because I'm not a politician like that. But it represents overcoming fear and doing what you felt, no matter what anyone else said, in saying, you can't bully me, liberals, you can't bully me, news, you can't bully me, the hip-hop community, they can't bully me, because at that point, if I'm afraid to be me, I'm no longer me, and uh, it ends from there. But it was a good a good uh, uh, soundbite, so... Uh, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll get it right and find the right, uh, the right clip and we'll, uh, we'll play it for you. So I guess, uh, you know, we're going to, this is just the beginning of the battle. I know we've been talking about it all week. It's been dominating our conversations and it hasn't made for the best radio, you know, rehashing over and over again, exactly how and why and where and when and, and, and speculating on the future. But this is, uh, you know, the most important story of our time, especially our time in the digital media age that we are in. But moving on, there's a few things going on. Uh, one in Turkey, Erdogan, and his the, the lira, the currency of the Turks, is in some trouble. And in the front of Drudge, Turkey on the brink. They have the dollar. We have God. The CNN, CNBC report um, said it pretty well. Now, it says Turkish lira plunges 15% versus the dollar after Trump authorizes doubling metal tariffs on Turkey. The Turkish lira added to its steep losses on Friday, hitting a fresh record low after President Trump authorized the doubling of metal tariffs on Turkey. 
The lira traded down 15% against the dollar at 6.38 after Trump made the comment in a tweet. The currency has also traded down 20% earlier in the day, reaching a record low. The White House later said in a statement, as he stated, the president has authorized the preparation of documents to raise tariffs on the imports of steel and aluminum from Turkey. Section 232 tariffs are imposed on imports from particular countries whose exports threaten to impair national security as defined in Section 232, independent of negotiations on trade or any other matter. Trump's tweet and the White House comment came after Turkish President Erdogan asked citizens to convert their dollars and their euros and their gold and silvers into local lira. Yeah, that sounds smart, Erdogan. Are you serious? Tell your, your your citizens to trade in their precious metals for your worthless paper? I don't think anybody should be doing that. Change the euros, change the dollars, and the gold that you are keeping beneath your pillows into lira at our banks. This is a domestic and national struggle, Erdogan said, according to the Associated Press translation. Um, Erdogan said Turkey was facing an economic war, noted the country would respond to those countries who it had started it. We are facing economic attacks today and we need to defend our country. Erdogan said, according to a translation, the economic attack against us now is the same as the coup attempt against us. I'm urging our country to increase outputs to increase exports. Turkish stocks also fell on Friday as iShares MSCI Turkey dropped 14.9%. And that is a sharp drop in Turkish assets. Also came after deregulation returned from Washington with no apparent, I'm sorry, the delegation returned from Washington with no apparent progress on the detention of U.S. Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was charged with supporting a group blamed for an attempted coup in 2016. Anyway, last month, Trump threatened to slap large sanctions on the country if uh, if it refuses to free Brunson. The U.S. then announced on August 1st Sanctions on Turkey, Justice Interior Ministries, uh, prohibiting U.S. citizens from doing business with them. And President Trump staying true to his word, wanting this pastor, Andrew Brunson, to be freed after threatening them, Turkey, with these tariffs and sanctions if they refuse to free him. And they haven't. So they're going to you know, get slapped economically. And when your currency drops 20% value in one day, I'd say uh, that's a pretty good start. Send the pastor back. Then you'll have uh, a seat at the table to talk and work this other stuff out. So your country's not crushed economically into oblivion. Um, but how will this all play out? You know, you, Turkey's a NATO member. And it is interesting to see, it will be interesting to see how the, the mainstream media, uh, you know, Trump attacks NATO member Turkey economically. Uh, I can see the headlines now. They almost write themselves if you've been doing this long enough, um, which is just, uh, I was telling my wife this the other day, this is way off topic, but it gives you some insight into where uh, my mind has been, uh, at least as far as when dealing with these these uh, news topics. So I'm, I'm, I study history. I study the Bible, and I study uh, a lot of current events, and I, I'm, I've become... Uh, not an expert, but I've become, I understand much, much more than I did even two years ago. But it's to the point now where I can read a headline, even if it's a headline full of lies and propaganda uh, uh, aimed at, you know, whatever, at, uh, at tearing down President Trump, at tearing down Christianity or the conservative ideology, or if it's uh, even more subtle attacks, I can read a headline. And before I'm done reading the headline, in my mind, it's already putting the right words where they should be, meaning it's putting, I see through their lies, and it translates, my thoughts after reading those headlines translate into exactly, okay, this is what they're saying, this is how they're lying, and this is the right answer, before I even finish reading the headline. So it's like, a, it's been programmed into me uh, after, you know, doing this so long. And, and it's, these people, as tricky as they are, as uh, clever as they are, there's only a certain point. I mean, you can only dress up a lie to be attractive uh, so often, and, and you know, and even that. Um, what, what's the saying? You can't put lipstick on a pig, and that's not going to change anything. It, it's the same thing. And that, that's my question: 
with the mainstream media's constant lying, constant propaganda, I would really like to know if it's even changed one Trump's supporter's mind uh, from not wanting to support him in 2020 versus the censorship thing, which is you know, what we see uh, uh, fuels the, uh, the, the side that's getting censored. Alex Jones, again, over five and a half million, five and a half million new signups in a matter of, of 48 hours. That's not by mistake, right? No, it's not by mistake. And it's only going to get worse from there for these people. Jones is only going to be in higher demand. He's only going to be, uh, you know, downloaded more. His app's only going to get go further. And this is what they don't understand. By banning him, you have turned him basically into a martyr, into exactly what he said he was going to happen to him, is what's happening to him. And you guys are just furthering that uh, you're legitimizing him. And you're legitimizing everything he's saying, which isn't a bad thing because Jones, you know, he I don't agree with everything he says. I don't agree with everything he does or how he does it. But I've never seen somebody do more to uh, snap the people out of their indoctrination into back into the, the world of reality, uh, you know, with their broadcasting. And I got to say, I've met thousands of people who have told me that if it wasn't for Jones or or Jones at some point in their uh, awakening, uh, they don't know how, you know, if they would have ever seen it. But they know that um, the amount of, of uh, effect that Alex Jones has had in the media world is more than an MSNBC or a CNN or any other platform can hope in today's day and age. Uh, you know, he's got more viewers than CNN does on their best days. He's got more viewers to, and listeners to one of his shows than CNN has in a 24 hour, uh, you know, in a 24 hour day of, of, of propaganda. It's that bad. Um, so anyway, uh, but it's just crazy to see this continue. Now, um, moving forward here, as we only have a few minutes left, uh, the Ocasio-Cortez, I know uh, we mentioned her earlier this week and played a few videos of her. And Chris Cuomo yesterday asked her how she's going to pay for socialism. And I have, let me pull up the clip here. Let me see if we can get it. Okay, hopefully, if, all, if everything goes right, I'll be able to play this clip. I'm going to newsbusters.org. Uh, if everything goes right, this clip will be uh, right up here somewhere because I saw it earlier. But yeah, here it is. Cuomo surprises socialist. How would you pay for your health care? Let's listen to what she says. Then you get into the partisan issue of money, which is, man, do you want to spend a lot of my tax money on these proposals that you and Bernie and others have? Medicare for all, college tuition, maybe even housing, uh, that the Green New Deal that you have, it is all very expensive, especially on the single payer side, mm -hmm. and that it gives people sticker shock. Mm -hmm. Even in Bernie's home state, they got sticker shock. They couldn't get it done mm -hmm. in his state because mm -hmm. of how expensive it is. And that was an 11 percent increase in taxes, 9 to 11 percent. Even that was too much for people. How do you pay? How do you sell it? Mm -hmm. So first of all, the thing that we need to realize is people talk about the sticker shock of Medicare for all. They do not talk about the sticker shock of our of the cost of our existing system. You know, in a Koch brothers funded, uh, you know, study, if any study is going to try to be a little bit slanted, it would be one funded by the Koch brothers. It shows that Medicare for all is actually much more is, is actually much cheaper than the current system that we pay right now. And let's not forget that the reason that the Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act is because they ruled that each of these monthly payments that everyday Americans make is a tax. And so while it may not seem like we pay that tax on April 15th, we pay it every single month, or we do pay a tax season if we don't buy uh, you know, these plans off of the exchange. So we're paying for this system. We Americans have the sticker shock of health care as it is. And what we're also not talking about is why aren't we incorporating the cost of all the funeral expenses of those who die because they can't afford access to health care? That is part of the cost of our system. All right, so there you have it. Her answer as to how she's going to pay for her socialist healthcare system. Did you guys hear the answer? I didn't hear an answer. She's the only thing, the closest thing to an answer I heard is we're already paying for it. Well, how's that work? Some people are paying. Some people are paying a lot. 
some people are paying nothing. It's not going to work. And you don't even know, you don't even know how to work it, how to design it, how to set it up. It's a joke. I, I mean, it is, uh, this lady, how did she ever win the election? She doesn't even know what she's saying. She can't even put a coherent answer to a question together. This is a second interview. We went on Wednesday and then we listened to an interview she gave uh, where she spouted off uh, incoherent statistics that, that were absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. Then, when Menken came on, uh, I read the question about how she said the lower or the upper middle class is gone. And we read her paragraph answer. And at the end, me and Stephen both, but Stephen said it. He's like, what did we just read? What? Where was the uh, coherent thought? That was word soup. And that's the same thing here. He asked a very simple question. Healthcare is a nonpartisan issue. Uh, you get the partisan issue and he goes on to say how are you going to pay for your socialist health care how are you going to make that happen and she babbles for about uh, you know a good 120 seconds without answering the question talking about uh, nonsensical things of how funerals should be tied into health care and this and that but how are you going to pay for it whose money are you going to use to pay for your system of government and that she doesn't have an answer for because there is no answer unless you steal from most of the people in your population. Again, I can't say it enough. Uh, socialism works until you run out of other people's money. And that is uh, probably the best way to look at that, um, you know, because it's truth. Look at Venezuela. Look at how much their currency has been devalued. We covered some of the statistics here, I think on Monday, where one dollar could buy you 900,000 gallons of gasoline one u.s dollar but it would cost 2,000 uh, bolivars to buy 200,000 bolivars which is the venezuelan dollar to buy one egg but obviously we can't go to venezuela and uh, uh use one of our dollars to buy that much gasoline that would never be allowed but it just gives you an idea and insight into exactly uh, what it is that we are seeing. Now, uh, I mentioned Candace Owens. I really wanted to mention this because I thought this was brilliant, what she did yesterday on Twitter. She put out a tweet saying, 71 illegal uh, illegal immigrants were shot at the border um, over the weekend. And then you open the, the message and it says, no, that was just 71 people, uh, uh, black people shot in Chicago. Uh, liberals go back to, you know, not caring. Man, was that a good one? I mean, <laughs> grabbing the people's attention. I'm sure how many people clicked on that because they saw 20 or 71 illegal immigrants shot and then only to open it up and see, no, that was uh, the black people in Chicago over the weekend. Uh, liberals go back to not caring. And that's probably exactly what they did. As we see this horrible situation in Chicago and anybody who attacks Rahm Emanuel, somehow they're turning it into a racial issue and on and on and on. But, um, they were, you know what's most startling about that statistic in Chicago? From the last time I checked, there were zero arrests made. There were 11 or 12 people killed. An 11-year-old, the youngest. 71 people shot. Zero arrests made. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine? I mean, that's lawlessness. Complete lawlessness. I don't know what to say about it. And for the left, I mean, this wouldn't this be the perfect story to attack guns, gun owners? To say, look, there's children getting killed in the streets. These communities are suffering dozens of gunshot victims a night. This is a problem. But no, it doesn't fit their narrative because it's in the inner city, because it's a majority of, uh, of, of non-white people, we'll just say. So it doesn't fit their narrative of demonization. Not that white people don't have their own areas and of crime and things like this. I'm, I'm sure they do. But to ignore such a huge story that does fit your agenda in some parts, as far as the gun violence and the hurting of children, but it just goes to show you what they really care about. They don't care about children. They don't care about guns unless they're being used in a way they can capitalize on. 
and it just gets crazier from there, folks. Again, I really do apologize for my disorganization. Uh, I only listened and looked at a few headlines this morning. I sat down. And I said, you know what? I'll bang this show out. We'll, we'll get the sound clips as we uh, are on air. And uh, none, none of that worked out. So if you're still hanging with me, thank you so much for doing so. We're at the end of our time. We will be back Monday. Again, we're going to go through this rebrand from The Daily Show to The Dispatch. And uh, until we do that, uh, I'll just plan on doing shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday next week. And we're going to try for that rebrand right after that. Have a great weekend, everyone. The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com.